0: Do you know the situation where you are working hard and you're achieving great results and then it doesn't get noticed or even worse? Do you know the situation that the result is there and everybody is really happy that this project came to a true success and then someone else is attributing your work, maybe your line manager gets all the praise and you stay in the shadow. If this resonates with you, I am pleased that I have today a very interesting guest for you. We will speak in this episode with Mary McGuire, who is the author of the book, The Female Edge, and you will learn in this talk how you can blow your own trumpet the right way, how you can work on yourself so that other people notice and recognize the great work that you're doing. Welcome to Charisma Hacks, the show where you get strategies, tools and mind training to learn to speak from your innermost conviction, to own who you truly are and to stand in your full power. I am Ulrike and I am wholeheartedly dedicated to empowering leaders to connect with their authentic self so that they can sparkle from the inside and lead and communicate with Charisma. I'm very pleased to have you here, Mary. Do you want to say a few words to introduce yourself?
1: I'm a a consultant, a coach and an author, and I cover lots of areas in my work. I work with global companies on big thorny issues around engagement and around change and about transformation. So I've looked at this specifically from a female's um, perspective around how women struggle in business and struggle to succeed. But our talk is looking at what are some of the practical things that women can do to help themselves along the way. So I've covered that in my book, The Female Edge, which is out in September. But I think that even though it's a female perspective, there's lots of men out there who can
0: also um, find some of these charisma hacks just as useful. Thank you, Mary. We are working hard sometimes and we are giving our best. And at the end, we have a fantastic result that is coming out of it. However, this result doesn't get noticed or even worse, we see it attributed to someone else. How can people react to this and why is this happening? A a fantastic question. And I think lots
1: of your listeners will actually identify with that where, you know, it's like I'm working so hard. I'm giving everything I've got and yet still either i'm not noticed or my work isn't noticed or as you say somebody else is taking credit for the work i've done which is it is very very difficult and demotivating and I, what i talk about a lot in my book is there are differences in how we are socialized depending on whether we're born a man or a woman and there's different expectations placed on us as a result of that difference and as a result of them expectations different behaviors are groomed in us and then come out in our adult lives. And one of the the key differences we see is men are encouraged to be very active, very competitive, very forthright in sharing their views. And let me caveat this in, obviously not all men are like that, but generally our socialization process goes like that. Whereas women are very much encouraged to be very demure, very considerate very gentle in the way that they share their views, and also very sure of what they are able to do before they express it as something that they can do. What we know from research is that women will only apply for a job if they're 90% sure they can do the job, and men will apply for the same job if only 50% of the skills are met in their profile, but they'll still apply with confidence. And that shows up in all sorts of ways. But one of the things I see the most is women are not good at sharing the work they do and sharing their capability and sharing their successes as well, because they feel it's gloating, it's being aggressive, being seen as a woman with sharp elbows, or even worse, other labels attributed to them. So they tend to be very careful about sharing and promoting their work, because they feel it will... Reflect on them in a negative way and and I've just got a very quick story of how I experienced this very early in my career If that would be interesting. So when I was many years ago, I was running a range of residential services And what i seen as a gap in our staff group was that we hadn't really defined what their competency models were so that we could then define their development path. And I noticed this and I spoke to my area manager and says, I think we need to do both. We need to define the model. We need to define the development path. And then we need to put the training together. She thought this was brilliant. Female manager. Brilliant. Yes, Mary, go ahead, do that. So I spent the time doing the work, developed the processes around it presented it to her, got the funding, put the staff through the training. Great. And then a few months later, I was at an area managers uh, forum. And the chief executive of the company called out this area manager and says, I just want to highlight the great work this woman has done around developing career models, developing competencies, and um, the way that that's turned into training for the staff and all of the great results that have come from that. And at no point did that area manager say, oh, but it wasn't me, it was Mary. She did the work and I was just actually helping her, making sure she got the funding at no point. And I was very young in my career then. So I didn't have the skills, the level of articulation or anything to say, oh, well, thank you for taking the credit there. But if you will remember, that was a joint thing. I just didn't have that. But there was lots of other things in my behaviour, in my socialisation, which led to that Uh, situation happening so I have experienced the pain of somebody else taking credit for my hard work as well so I can really appreciate your listeners going through that process
0: and I think really everybody who is listening to this episode has experienced something similar I did too obviously so I can imagine that quite often when we face the situation that somebody else is taking credit of our work And we hear this other person saying, yeah, thank you, fantastic, Uh, I did a great job, standing beside that person and staying mute. And you said this is obviously related to our upbringing, to our belief systems, but can you explain a little bit more about that and how we can get hold of this, how we can empower ourselves to speak up at this very moment? There was a number of things in my behavior and my belief
1: systems that led to that situation happening that would not be possible now. So clearly there's been a development path over the last 20 odd years where I've changed the way I behave, the way I show up, the way I articulate things, the way I share my work, which means that that doesn't happen now, that I wasn't able to do then. And and let me make two sides of the coin here clear. One of them I'm going to talk about is socialisation. And and again, I recognise that men also go for a process where their work is attributed to somebody else and it's very difficult for them to reclaim that. So it's not just women it happens to. But if we look at it in the overall picture, more women are struggling with their development and success than men. So that's why I I, I emphasize that. But the socialization process for, for women particularly is don't make a fuss. Be there to support people, be a helpful pair of hands and also make sure that whenever you do something, do it to the very best of your ability and don't make a fuss about it because you're expected to do things well. You're expected to be the good girl, do a good job don't make a fuss. You know, that's very strong in the way that we hear things. And it's not necessarily even in them words. And it's not just our parents, but our parents have a strong emphasis on this. But it's it's aunts, uncles, grandparents, it's school teachers, it's our religious leaders. If we're in church, there's all sorts of places this conditioning comes from. So it's not just from our immediate, uh, immediate family. And what that then leads to is us being very shy of claiming our achievements and also sharing them with other people, which is why I think the whole building your ally network is so important. So some of the things that make a difference to us being recognised for our achievements is telling people about them whilst we're going through the process. We don't need to wait until we've declared the victory. We've got it all 100% right. We've got it absolutely over the line. We can share the small victories along the way. So if we're on a 12 month project and there's a lot of things that we're trying to deliver or we're going for a big transition and a lot of things, we don't wait for it all to happen. And it's absolutely right. And everyone's recognized it before we share. We share along the way. I'm working on this. And the way that we can bring other people into our conversation, particularly allies, and I have a, a very clear view about what I mean by that, is bringing them in to share insights with them early, but also asking for their help. You know, If we're having things that we come up against that we don't know about or we don't fully understand or we've just not dealt with in the past, it's okay, even as a very senior leader in an organization, to acknowledge that with the right people and say, have you dealt with this? What's your view of how I should deal with this? Here are some thoughts I've got, but I'd love to hear your view. And we bring things to people of influence of experience who can actually help us. And in that way, we are promoting the work we do, our skills and our experiences, even whilst we're acknowledging the gaps we
0: have. So it's really about making it an integral part of our behavior, not just in the situation and then suddenly standing up and saying, hey, it was me who did that. It's really something which um, which you should accompany throughout the whole process. I think this is a very good insight already to understand that it is not only happening at the moment of achievement. It is happening all the time. And we should just stop shying away from promoting what we're doing every week, maybe not every day, depends always on the situation and the environment. But obviously it's a constant thing that should happen here. I know that a lot of my clients have humbleness as a very important value for themselves. And they feel like hurting this value of humbleness if they say too often how good they are in something, what do you tell people who, who have this obstacle in themselves?
1: I'd start by saying humility is a great quality. So I wouldn't say to people, humility is wrong, throw it away. But there's a context and a way of using humility. And then there's sometimes where it doesn't serve you. And it's understanding when does it serve me and when does it not? So we don't want to be humble in all situations. I really do admire the model of the servant leader and when I was managing large teams and managing in large organisations that the idea of the servant leader really appealed to me and was one of my strong values but what I meant by that is I'm here to create a space for other people to thrive And humility is essentially part of that, but it doesn't mean I'm humble all the time. So when I need to get a point across, when I need to be really clear and set some boundaries around uh, performance, um, when I need to address things because other people in other parts of the organisation are helping my part of the organisation and hindering my delivery... I need to address that. And humility is not what I'd lead with. So it's understanding it's one of the tools in your box. It may be part of your character, but you won't use that, you won't lead with that card all the time. So it's understanding humility is good, but it has a place. So how, how do we use that? So what it means is being humble means when your staff have done good things you don't want to always take the credit from them you want to give them that space when somebody's giving you really difficult feedback You don't necessarily want to become defensive and close down and say, you know, I don't agree with that or that's not right. You want to still stay open to it and think, okay, this really hurts or I really disagree with this or I don't particularly like the person who's giving me this feedback. But there may be some things in it I actually can use. So I'm going to take it away with as much dignity and humility I can and then come back to them when I've had reflection. That's great. If you don't stake your claim about your achievements, your abilities, your particular area of delivery. So in organisations, understanding your organisational boundaries and your politics is important. And women sometimes struggle with that a lot. You then find ways that you go with strength, with clarity, with purpose and go forward with the conversations. So it's understanding how it's part
0: of whole mixture of things in your toolbox and then you will have also the result that you expect actually when you do a good job at the end let's come back to what you said earlier on it's about creating a network of allies that sounds really interesting and you have a very specific approach to that do you want to let us know more about it absolutely there's one of the chapters in the book which just looks
1: at this because I know it's so important particularly for women what we know from research is when they start a role they tend to think my most important thing at the moment is keep my head down work out the job work out all the things I need to do to deliver and make sure I deliver that before I look up and look around me at the network of people that I need to be talking to whereas men do the opposite is that they don't ignore. Ignore the job, but even though there's a whole series of things that they need to look at and they're given a whole pile of paperwork, they don't see that as their main focus. They think, okay, that's important and the job's important, but Looking up, who do I need to speak to? Who needs to know I'm here? Who do I need to know about? Who's the key decision makers? So they're naturally more outward focused very early on, and that in itself gives a head start in career progression that then naturally steals a march on women being able to do the same. So some of it is like somehow that socialization, but some of what we um, need to think about, and this is regardless of your gender, is all organizations have. An ecosystem of decision makers. So we need to think of it in terms of the organisation, in terms of allies. And then in terms of our career career focus and our particular discipline or our our particular skill set, we may be part of other professional bodies where there's also people of influence in that area so if we're accountants we might be part of a of an institute or if we're a hr professional or um a a finance or a technical there may be other networks that recognize our skills which also have important people so thinking of allies needs to be both in terms of my career discipline and helping with that, professional bodies, and my preferred path and my career progression in either this organisation or aligned organisations around what I do. And places you can start to think about allies are not your line manager, although your line manager, if you have a good relationship, should always be an ally, but it's beyond your line manager. So thinking of things like when it comes to promotion decisions, Who are the people that are in the room that are going to make a decision about whether I am promotable or not? And understanding who they are. And if you don't know, You could ask your line manager when it comes to these decisions, who else tends to be in the room and making them decisions? Because I'd just like to know who has some power over me and my career and then actually working out. Well, who are these people are people that I could either pick up a phone, create a virtual coffee with and actually talk to them about. First of all, what they do in their role, but talk to them about my role, what I'm doing, what I see is important, what I've been focusing on and understanding from there, who are the people that could become allies. And then beyond that ecosystem of people who make decisions which actually influence your career, who else is there out there that maybe you admire? Or that actually are in a role or in a aligned area that you actually think maybe in five years time I'd like to either be in their role or I'd like to be aligned to their discipline and then think actually go out and speak to them say I really admire you and your role I'd really love to find out more because it's of interest to me long term and here's what I'd like to tell you about what I do so you're actually reaching out to people who have influence and in the same way using your professional bodies if you're part of them to go into to their networking events find out who's out there and going out your way to have conversations with them so thinking of your ecosystem of allies as as wide as possible but people who can influence, who can encourage you, and who can motivate you in terms of
0: your long-term goals? So what you say is very insightful in the sense that usually we focus on our direct line manager, especially when we start a new role. The first person we want to satisfy and impress is our direct manager. And then maybe the colleagues which we have in our direct team and then if you're not totally overwhelmed by the new role already, then we go out and maybe have a look into other people. And I guess quite naturally, people would rather tend to contact the people they have immediately a natural good collection to, where it seems easy to start a conversation. Whereas, like you say, it is rather a strategic approach that we should have here, thinking about the ecosystem, finding out who will actually have a say when it comes to promoting ourselves and this can be someone in a totally different department and this can also be someone you never directly work with who is just in a committee where they decide on the upcoming talents for example who has hardly heard your name How can I approach someone like that? You said you can go and and be interested in his or her role and take this occasion to speak about your role. But obviously the threshold to contact someone, you have no direct connection, no true common topic you're working on with. How can we address such a person, especially if we are rather shy? I see this as a big struggle
1: in women is starting to, be more comfortable with feedback because Often our reticence about speaking to somebody, especially more senior, is if we feel they're going to judge us or say something to us which actually we find hard to digest or accept and therefore we tend to put these little defences up and there's lots of reasons why they get in the way both in terms of us receiving feedback but also giving feedback. So actually starting to get into arena or just feeling comfortable with conversations where maybe things come back and it's like oh I didn't expect that or I don't see myself like that and feeling that's okay because we do not need to be perfect. In fact, perfection is the very, very worst goal we could aim for. And again, this is something that women tend to get more obsessive about than men. There is no such thing as perfection. It doesn't exist in business. It doesn't exist in the natural world. It doesn't exist in our lifestyle. So having it as a goal is actually already setting us up for failure. So let's say it's not about perfection. Now, the reason I say that is because once we get over the fact of we don't need to be perfect, we don't need to know it all. We don't need to always get it right. It becomes easier. For us to get in touch with somebody who's maybe one, two or three levels above us and say, hey, I know you're in this role. You don't know me, but I work in this department and I'm working on this. But I really and then dot, dot, dot. And then I'd really like to speak to you about dot, dot, dot. And then two areas are I really admire Work you do, I've seen it in whatever context, or I really would like to know more about what you do, or I really think that some of your skills and insights could help me. So, work out what the first reason is you want to get in touch with them beyond you might decide on my promotion. So, that might be an underlying thing, but you've got to work out who this person is, what they do, and do a little bit of research about who they are, not just in the organization in terms of the chart and who they report to, but find out via your intranet what have they been doing? Have they, so, have they um, posted anything on your social networks in the company? And find out what are they involved in? What are they sponsoring? What are they doing? And acknowledge that to them. And then be really clear about what your ask is. So when we talk about marketing generally, and I know your listeners won't be marketeers, but we can use a lot of this for our networking, is we always say, what is the call to action? So what is the point of us going out and telling people about something we're doing? What is it we want them to think or say or do as a result of us telling them about something? And think about what the call to action is with them. I'd really like to share with you my project and get your ideas about it or. I'm new to this role and I'm just getting to know the organisation and I'd really love your thoughts and insights because you've been here for 15 years and you could help me. Be clear about what it is about them you admire or you think that they can help you with and be clear about what you're asking from them. And then once you've got that, it's a little mini script. It becomes easier to either send them an email or pick up the phone. Um, or go to them if it's networking events say hey I hear you know I can see you do this and I'm I'm working on this I'd love a further
0: conversation would you have time for me yeah it's about finding a hook where to start the conversation from this can certainly be something very small as well it doesn't have to be uh, the, the role that this person has it can be something actually small there's lots of people connect on simple things
1: like they've both got a love of sailing or they go to the same holiday place so sometimes the hook can actually be quite a small one But what I see is people think, oh, but they're like, you know, the deputy chief exec of my company. I couldn't possibly. And these people are human, too. They've got lots of interests. They have very busy agendas, without a doubt. But they want human conversations. They want human connections. And sometimes speaking to somebody who's not in their immediate line management role, who's not in their immediate ecosystem about something slightly different is actually engaging and interesting to them, too.
0: When you have built this network of allies where you have then people from different departments, different levels, where you have the feeling, wow, now I have really identified all of those who potentially can blow the trumpet in my way (laughs) and who I can also keep like updated on what I'm achieving and what I'm doing and by this move forward with my career – How do you maintain and nourish such a network? A fantastic question. And it is so, so important. So
1: what I say is don't be one of those what I call fair weather friends. So how many of us have friends who only show up Either when they've got something amazing that's happened in their life that they want to tell us about, or they want to come to us because they know that something bad has happened to us and they find that a drama they want to get involved with. But in between them times, we never hear from them. And I think we all know people like that. And I say, don't be a fair worth a friend to your allies. So you'll work out very quickly, based on your initial context who are the ones you can cultivate over a longer period and who are the ones where it's a one and done conversation because that becomes obvious you know some people are yeah that's great and i want to lean in and i want to help you and others are yep that's great thanks for getting in touch with me we don't need to chat again and you'll get a vibe so use your intuition and your vibe for is it a one and done or is it somebody i can cultivate the ones you cultivate Think about ways you can carry on that conversation without it feeling onerous to you or them and it has the right level of intervals to it. So, simple ways you can do that. One of the ones I always say is if you've had a conversation with your ally and they've suggested something to you in that conversation and you've gone away and done it and then you've seen some results come through that have been helpful and maybe even a bit surprising to you and they've led to something and led to some improvement or led to you being able to make progress in something, go out of your way to thank them and that's just a simple little email maybe a month or so later saying hey it was great to meet you and I just want to say thank you very much for that tip because this is what happened as a result and this is what I'm doing now thank you so much would love to reconnect again let's make a date in the diary for eight weeks time or whatever so you're giving them a thank you and then saying let's do it again and maybe try for a cadence of once a quarter for those who are further away from you, and more regularly if there's somebody who's very aligned with what you're doing and you can find ways to do some co work together. So that's the first thing. The second thing is. Also think of the ways that you can support that ally with their goals and what they're working on. And I say, even if they're two or three levels above you in an organisation, you can still be of help to them. Because, again, we tend to have this mindset of, well, I can't possibly help them. You know, either they've got it all sorted out or they're working with people much more senior than me. What could I possibly provide? And the reality is you can provide an interesting sounding board or you might have actually had skills or experience in an area they're working on. So say, is there anything I can do to return the favour? Is there anything you need help with that I could help you with? And again, in the context of it being quick, simple things, as opposed to, yeah, I've got this dying contract, a dying project, please come and help us with it. You clearly can't do that, you've got your day job. But simple, quick summary, quick wins, sounding boards, ideas, they're all things that contribute. So think of it as asking for help, Thanking people for help, ongoing conversations over a regular cadence,
0: and then seeing ways that you can help them with their goals and their needs as well. That's helpful to understand how we can maintain such a relationship. And I think what you said, to not be too humble or too shy when you speak to people who are two or three levels higher than you, because probably they don't have many people on another level like yours who speak to them, who dare to speak to them. And this alone makes you stand out. Now, what I can um, imagine, because that would have been what happened to me in the past in exactly that situation, when we have the chance to speak to someone um, who is at a quite high hierarchy level, where you know it's a key decision maker. And when you got over this threshold of speaking to the person and you started a conversation and everything goes fine, and then there comes this crucial moment where you should speak about what you're doing. And this is where... People might stumble again over their words because suddenly they feel insecure and they feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not that good actually at what I'm doing. And this, this whole chatterbox is suddenly turned on in their head. What are the main ingredients to create a simple yet compelling pitch of what you're doing? What we can do is we can have this as a downloadable sheet as well,
1: if it will be useful for your readers, but, um, and, Uh, what I call an elevator pitch so people are probably familiar with that concept but we call it an elevator pitch because imagine that you're either your dream client or your most important stakeholder in your company suddenly um enters the lift with you and you're going up a few floors together so you've literally only got a few minutes to grab their attention and let them know who you are and these are things that are very hard to do off the hoof exactly as you say suddenly somebody's given you a space to speak and then it's almost rabbit in the headlights of oh, i don't know what to say to them so it is something that needs to be honed and practiced and the words and and the terminology and what we focus on needs to be worked out three elements to that that we actually talk about so we talk about what it is we actually do what are the things around either my job my role my skills my project my client group whatever it is but what it is we do what is the impact of what we do so who does it benefit or how does it benefit the organization and what it is that actually excites you about that particular um, thing that you do so then three elements are really important so what I do who it impacts and why I actually feel motivated about that. A simple way that might play out is things like I'm working on the platform upgrade to reduce the payment processing by 20%. So we've given a business outcome there and I really enjoy getting to grips with all of the challenges around the technology and helping my team to become aligned in how they work to actually solve these big problems. And then you might, at the end of it, then say, what it is, is the hook into that person. And I really admire the work you've done on da-da-da, I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. So it might be that it's a technology bridge or a business bridge or something else, but you find a bridge that then hooks back into them. You work out them three elements of your pitch first so that you can actually talk about it confidently when you're in a
0: networking event or in that elevator. I think the first element of the pitch is a quite obvious one. And that's what probably everybody would do. I love the second one because in the second one, you share an emotion, you share something personal. And if you share this in a genuine way, in an open and authentic way, the person in front of you will feel... That you truly enjoy this and will have also an emotion and by this alone remember that you've spoken to him or her about this topic and then obviously yeah the hook and the hook is always the tricky part sometimes it's maybe easy to find sometimes a little bit more difficult but i think you gave a few great ingredients and we will uh, put the worksheet into the show notes of this episode so that people can work that out for themselves If there is something, one thing that you would like to share with the audience, a first step that they can do right away when they have listened to this episode, what is the first thing they can start with if they want to blow the trumpet in the right way? I think that women need to own their brilliance
1: because not owning it, being humble or not making a big deal about it means that there's a number of People or audiences that are missing out on it. So we have a responsibility, particularly as senior female leaders, to be a good role model for all of the female leaders coming behind us. And we also have that responsibility for females that are in our life. So it might be our own children or nephews, nieces, or it might be other people. But the more we can be a positive role model for others, more we're helping other people around so that's why it's important of the more we own it and say actually I do a really good job and this job is important you know both for me and my sense of satisfaction but also for other people around in my team or in my wider community because they all can see what's possible for them so owning it is really important and then realizing that by sharing it with other people Far from it coming across as a bragging or showboating or whatever we might want to call it, it's actually allowing a light to shine to say, if you believe in something yourself and your skills enough, look at what you can achieve. So you're saying that to the organisation because you're delivering for the organisation, you're saying it to your line manager and your senior leaders, but you're also saying it for people around you. So understanding that, owning what you do and sharing it with people is a duty to the wider group of people around you rather than it's doing something which is purely selfishly driven and I think that's where women struggle with it they think it's selfish behavior and I don't think so I think it's
0: more accountability and responsibility for everyone. Thank you very much Mary for these great insights I have a last question for you you are publishing a book and I would like to hear more about it what can people find in your book what can they learn the book is called the female edge accelerate your leadership
1: ambitions and craft your career on your own terms so it very much speaks to the things which I know are really close to your heart which is how we build a career which is authentic uh, which still is true to our values which still allows us to be the individual and unique person we are but then also allows us to find a path that actually is the right path for us So my model is a four stage model called the edge, hence the female edge. And in that, I say that there's four steps that if we take really helps us to move our career in the right direction authentically. And they are evaluating where are we right now and how did we get here? What were the things that actually influenced us? And then once we know where we are, define where we want to go. So that's about having a way of navigating the journey going forward. And then once we've got them two points, where are we? Where do we want to go? Then it's the G for growing to the ideal leader. So what are the skills and competencies and abilities and values I want to grow into that leader? And then the final one is about empowerment. Empower your success. So how do we empower it? And some of the way is through our ally network, through uh, feedback, through clarity about who we are and what we do. So it's the four-stage model. And the book will be out uh, in September, and it'll be on Amazon
0: widely. I'm really looking forward to getting it and to having a read. I think it's very complimentary to my activities about communicating with charisma because it's all about this level of growth, of authenticity, of knowing who we truly are, understanding that. And then well, speaking out, speaking up for ourselves and having the courage to be ourselves, even in the business world. I thank you very much, Mary, for this very insightful podcast. And I hope we stay in touch. Thank you all, Thanks for allowing me on the show. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for listening to Charisma Hacks. If you want to level up your profile and become a charismatic leader, able to communicate, engage and motivate in an inspiring and authentic way, you've come to the right place. Subscribe now to this show or reach out to me and get more strategies, tools, and mind training to sparkle from the inside.